has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Welcome to Death Star Dispatch, the ultimate podcast in the universe. Or, welcome back if you've been here before. I'll show you the dark side. My name is Fred, your host as always, and we have a treat tonight as Roe and Brad from the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast are joining us fresh off of ScarifCon 2020. Over the last couple years, they've put together a really strong following for both their Twitter and their podcast. They have events like ScarifCon 2020, Scarif Live, and more. Though they've been around for the last couple years, I just recently found them about a month or two ago. And ever since, I've become a fan myself. I go back and I listen to all their older episodes and anxiously wait for them to release a new episode, which is always a home run. So without further ado, let's get into the show, and I hope you enjoy your stay on the Death Star. How did you guys pick your name? I'm genuinely curious about that. Uh, so Ro and I are both, uh, we both love Rogue One. Um, you know, it, it's, and we, we talk about it all the time. Somehow we're able to insert it into a, a lot of conversations, whether that's the topic of the show or not, we'll somehow get some Rogue One references in there. So, you know, we, we, we like that. We wanted something, you know, we've never wanted to take ourselves too seriously this entire time. We wanted to be, you know, fun, but also honest, you know, with some integrity. But, uh, you know, we want to integrate the, uh, the Rogue One aspect. And uh, I, I'm in the Navy. I've been in the Navy uh, guy for uh, 18 years now. And uh, scuttlebutt is one of those you know, naval terms, you know, and uh, since the Empire is one giant military, scuttlebutt's one of those words that's, you know, it's, it's a funny word to use. Uh, you don't, well, actually, we've seen a lot more references to it since we started doing the show, like when people mentioned scuttlebutt. Uh, but, you know, you know, scuttlebutt just means, you know, rumors, talking, people talking around. Uh, the water fountain is is the original. Uh, you know, it just means rumors or, or gossip. You know, really. So, you know, I'm I'm all about the alliteration uh, with hashtags and with names and stuff like that. So, scare of scuttlebutt. We kind of just threw it up against the wall and and it stuck. Uh, and uh, now we have scuttle buddies, scuttle butters, whatever we want to call them any particular week. But uh, yeah, it's fun. That's where we came up with it. You know, you guys really use the scuttlebutt like beautifully too. Like on the Saw Gerrera episode, you guys said, instead of saying debut, you said day butt. I love, <laughs> like, I love that kind of thing. You just drop it in there so perfectly every time. I mean, he, he calls me the butt to his scuttle or, scuttle or the other way around. I'm not sure which it is, but that, in there. I love it. I love, and that Saw Gerrera episode, by the way, was fantastic. You guys touched on a lot of great parts. And he's, you know, I, I also love Rogue One. I always say, for me, that magic of seeing The Force Awakens and Rogue One in theaters, there's nothing that can top that for me. It, there was just something about that entire experience and what the movies brought to the table that I think hits a lot of different people. Yeah, when we started talking about Saul, we knew that, uh, you know, he was a complex character. But we started talking about him, it, it just like he, it's like he got more complex as we kept on talking about him all the dichotomies that, that are within this guy. And yeah, it, that conversation just kind of made itself. You know, and as far as Rogue One goes, you know, I went to Star Wars Celebration Orlando and got to see a lot of the making of and 
the making of Tarkin in that was just amazing. And I was blown away by that. So, I mean, Rogue One, I have, well, we're going to be talking about uh, Return of the Jedi uh, late, later on tonight, I think, actually, uh, if Rose still up for it, which I think he will be. Um, you know, I have two two movies that I can pop in at any time, and that's Return of the Jedi and Rogue One, uh, and, and watch them for however many hundreds of time. Yeah, I'll tell you, Rogue One, I'm a Return of the Jedi guy, too. I love Return of the Jedi. I always advocate for it. I will always, I will die on that hill of Return of the Jedi. And I'm talking about, we'll turn in later. 100%. That, that's one of my go-to movies as well. I just think that, I think A New Hope and Empire, yes, they are great in their own right. And a lot of people say A New Hope is their favorite because that was their first Star Wars experience. They saw it in the theater as a kid. And it was unlike anything anyone had ever seen at that time. Empire comes back and makes that movie almost look silly because of how good Empire is. But those two movies together are just the stepping stones for what Return of the Jedi is. Amen. Amen. Return of the Jedi all the way. (laughs) It's funny. I was just uh, shopping um, with my wife and I had a Star Wars t-shirt on and the guy stopped me and said, oh, I love your shirt and blah, blah, blah. And I told him that we were doing this uh, Empire versus Jedi and, and he goes, he goes, oh yeah, I'm Camp Jedi. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. I'm like, yeah, yeah, get out of here. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah it's, i was gonna text you too brad but i totally forgot but uh i'm kind of surprised at this point how many people uh were so forward about being in the uh the jedi camp i, I thought i was honestly gonna get blown when we you know ran that kind of quick poll on that yeah uh, i thought i was absolutely gonna get blown away on that and i was gonna be a very lonely person on, on that hill uh, i was really uh surprised and you know really delighted how many people you know are are for Return of the Jedi, which is amazing. Yeah, it was pretty close, wasn't it? Yeah, so it should be interesting. I think you just made like all those Return of the Jedi folks feel welcome now. They're like, there's another one of us. Yeah. It's almost like a little cult, you know? Yep, best cult uh, ever. It is, <laughs> I agree. Uh, so you guys just had Scarif Con 2020. How did this come about? And you guys had Dominic Pace there too, and that is awesome. So tell us how all that happened. Well, first of all, uh, Brad, we missed you. Uh, two years in a row, yeah. and uh, you, you should have come up for, for this, but I, I know uh, COVID makes uh, traveling difficult. But um, So last year, we uh, wanted to do something for the premiere, I guess the premiere for The Mandalorian in November. So we got together with uh, a couple of other Chicago podcasts like WSTR, uh, Galactic Public a- uh, Access, and then Rob, who actually uh, lives in Lansing, Michigan, uh, but he drove down here, and he is uh, the um, uh, our podcast friend over at the Jedi Temple Archives. So, um, you know, we we got together at a neighborhood comic book store. They've got an outdoor patio. They have been really fantastic hosts for us. We did that in November. Um, the cool thing is that uh, Yoshi Vu, visual effects um, artist from ILM, who worked on The Mandalorian and uh, The Rise of Skywalker, also joined us from Singapore. He actually flew in for one day, did the event, had dinner with him, and then he flew back. And uh, we had a really, really fantastic time. It was a little cold towards the evening, but uh, we, we stuck it out. And it was two hours, two and a half hours on, you know, 
doing uh, a live broadcast uh, with everybody, um, including some surprise guests who also do some Chicago podcasts. We had Michelle from Fulcom's broadcast that showed up and uh, we brought her on, um, you know, onto the panel and it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I wanted to do it again. So ScarifCon 2020, it was in our minds even before, you know, um, before the year was over last year. But uh, that year we wanted to bring Dominic Pace in too, because he had made his rounds all uh, on everybody else's podcast and, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that we, we were, I think we were like very early on uh, having him on um, very early, you know, and he spilled the beans that he was in this project called the Mandalorian uh, and which was really cool, but uh, scheduling issues, you know, uh, prevailed and, and he, uh, I think he was flying from East coast to West coast. So we couldn't have him on, but this year, Dominic was having a signing tour all across the country. He was driving to different places and, you know, we, we've uh, strummed up a really great relationship. He called me up and he said, hey, uh, Chicago's not really on my stop, but uh, do you have a place that maybe we can, you know, do uh, Chicago as part of the tour? And I said, I exactly, I definitely do have a place. So um, I visited uh, Celine over at Alley Cat Comics in Andersonville. Uh, we talked a little bit and she was great. Uh, again, said, yeah, come on, let, let's do it again. Um, had all the same players. Rob came down, WSTR came down, and they are part of the 501st. So they were able to kind of, uh, you know, bring in some uh, costume cosplay people. And let me tell you, um, I never get tired of seeing stormtroopers in real life just walking around doing their thing. It's, uh, it's really fantastic. And uh, this time around, it was really great. Dominic was there, you know, signing stuff, taking pictures, meeting folks. Uh, you know, he had a, a, a table worth of uh, really great items from his website, uh, geckothebountyhunter.com. And it was a lot of fun. We had dinner afterwards with, uh, with some fans and, and Dominic and his son. Uh, what, a, what a great adventure that his son is having with him traveling the, uh, the, the country. Uh, with his dad, uh, meeting all the fans. So Scare of 2020 was that. And again, you know, we, we just had a lot of fun. It was just a, an amazing event. Uh, we took over that little neighborhood, uh, you know, Darth Vader and Mandos and Stormtroopers walking around. And uh, it, it, was, it was a blast. We, we also had uh, Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio who showed up. Was also obviously, they, 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 uh, they're here in Chicago. It was a blast. It was a blast. I saw a lot of the pictures you guys posted on Twitter and on Instagram. There's just something about seeing a Mandalorian in an alleyway. Sure. Yeah. It yeah. looks amazing. Yeah, that was a great shot. Yeah. It's a great picture. You guys. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, I agree with you seeing stormtroopers and really anybody in star Wars costumes, just marching all together. Everybody. I don't, it's just amazing to me. I love what the 501st do. There is a local chapter over by me as well. Um, matter of fact, the guy, the last house that I sold before I bought this one, the guy that came to take pictures of my house was a member of the 501st. That was a wild time, but they're, they're such great guys. And, you know, they'll, they'll come do any event as long as they're allowed to dress up. And it's, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, ScarifCon, I, I think that's a great, I think it's a great idea that you do it every year too. And just finding a way to work it in, getting Dominic on board is awesome. And it also, it's a it's a win-win for everybody because Dominic, of course, he goes more on his signing tour. And I know he was also implementing some things for a good cause. 
you have help, you're helping the business out, the local business, which I think all of us know, especially with COVID now, all of our local businesses and hobby shops need as much help as they can. I know my local hobby shop, I try to bring them as much business as I can keep them afloat. You know, that's kind of, I think it represents the community in a very large way. And on top of that, you know, you guys get to meet some of your listeners and, you know, I'll hang out together. And I think that dynamic between the listener and the host of a show is important. And you guys do a really good job with that. Cool. Thank you. And uh, we're, we're trying to organize something uh, a little sooner than uh, ScarifCon 2021, uh, because obviously season two of The Mandalorian is coming out and we're trying to see if we can maybe get together again and to launch that or help launch that. Uh, we should be getting checks from Disney. I don't know why, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're or sued or sued from Disney, one or the other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you never know what the mouse is going to do. Right. <laughs> well, with, you know what, speaking of the Mandalorian season two, there have been so many rumors regarding that show with who's going to appear, who's not going to appear. I think Brad is going to appear in that show too. He might. You weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Premiere right here on Death, Death Star Dispatch. I'm the, I'm the alien in the back. I guarantee you I'm that alien of a signing tour the next year. I'll be there. Um, so speaking of the Mandalorian season two, out of all the rumors of characters that we've gotten, what is one that you hope is true the most? Well, I mean, there, there's been this debate between, you know, is he coming back as Rex or is he coming back as, as Boba? And uh, I said this a, a couple months ago uh, on, on the scuttlebutt, you know, I, I hope he comes back as both. And I hope Rex kills Boba. That, that's, that's, that's my hope and that's my prediction. And, and I'm uh, on record for saying it. Uh, most of my predictions for the rise of Skywalker, we won't, we won't go back and replay any of those because I think I was wrong on every single point in the rise of Skywalker, just about. Um, that's not my fault. That's Disney's fault. But anyway, uh, I, I hope he comes back as Rex and, and Boba and, and Rex takes him out. I think that'd be really entertaining. I think we also talked about the fact that if Boba Fett comes back uh, in any significant role, uh, there might be a danger of the show turning into the Boba Fett show. Obviously, Boba Fett is a very popular character. Um, I probably would venture to say that he's, because he's a legacy character, he he might be a little bit more popular than the, the Mandalorian. Obviously, we still don't know a lot about the Mandalorian character, not that we know too much about Boba Fett, but, you know, we've, there is a history. There's, uh, you know, stuff in Legends that people kind of draw from. So Boba Fett is obviously very popular. I think um, the other rumor, obviously, is uh, the uh, casting of Rosario Dawson, who may or may not portray Ahsoka Tano. Again, a very popular character. You bring someone like Ahsoka Tano into a show like that, and it turns into the Ahsoka Tano show. I do find it interesting that these rumors, you know, are out, are out there. Uh, it would make sense to, to have Ahsoka in the show. I, I almost think that if she's in it, she might be a hologram and it might be the last shot of the last episode, uh, leaving it as a cliffhanger. And I think people will blow their minds. Uh, that shot, that, that image, that sequence, it's going to be a mind blower if, if that happens, if it happens that way. So I think that'd be very interesting. I mean, even when mm-hmm. she came on as uh, as Fulcrum, you know, in, in Rebels, and you know, yeah. I, she started off very small in, in Rebels as well, in that same sort of way as Fulcrum. Like, holy crap, that's that's who Fulcrum is. Uh, so yeah, I think they can definitely repeat that. And 
if it is, you know, if, Rosario Dawson, she's such a great actress and uh, she's shown a lot of interest in that character. So, you know, I, th- I think she'll do it justice. Yeah, she's been showing interest in Ahsoka for years now. Yeah. My, my biggest fear with bringing in Ahsoka is, again, like you said, it turns into the Ahsoka show and they don't want that. They want it to be focused on Mando and our little baby. Which, um, unless they, yeah, I got one too. Unless season, I, I unless the se- uh, the season ender for for Mandalorian season two is a launch for the Ahsoka Tano show. Brad, you need one. You do. You're the only you really, one. You really need one. one. <laughs> Come on. I, I I saw him today and uh, I, I did not pick him up. That's I've, a tra- I already, travesty of justice. I know. Right I, there. Yeah, I already spent enough money on. on I'm not gonna say <laughs> stupid things because then I'll offend some people. Uh, <laughs> non-necessary things. Uh, I spent enough money this weekend, so I was like, "We all we all buy yeah. things that we don't need, but at the end of the day, we do need them." Like I, I got like this three foot Darth Vader next to me. Did I need this? No. I mean, I, yeah. I found it at an antique store for ten dollars, and I said, "Hey, that's cool. I could use that." Could I? No, I don't know where to put him now. So he just sits next to me. But you got you got to get yourself one. You got to join the club, and the the value just keeps going up. So if you can find him in that fifty dollar range, you got to grab him. Look, you and, know me. Ba- and Baby Yoda's a chick magnet. So come on, Brad. Uh, yeah, there, there ain't no help in that. And y'all y- y'all know my views on this collectivism stuff. You know, ever since everybody's doing it, therefore I can't do it. So I, I have to wait till he's not popular anymore. You know, it's kind of weird though. He is. I, I, I was going to bring this up on our show. I, I think he's almost becoming as iconic as, as Yoda. I think you know, like nowadays, I think he might be as popular. You know, he hasn't hasn't said a word, you know, at all. I don't think he can even talk or she, whatever it is. Uh, but I think is becoming more or just as iconic as as the original. Yeah, and obviously the similarities, the look, uh, the ears, the eyes, the the cuteness, it's, uh, you know, they're one and the same almost. Uh, people have to, you know, people are still calling it Baby Yoda, although that has not been the case officially. It's, you know, still the child, but, uh, you know, they all they all look the same. So it's I'm waiting baby, for Baby Yoda species. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for Yaddle to show up. Uh, I'm waiting for Baby Mama to show up in uh, season two. Yeah. Come get her kid. That wicked Jedi <laughs> mullet, man. That's right. You know, coming full circle now with the child in Ahsoka, that's what I'm most afraid of. I feel like once Ahsoka shows up, I think part of the journey is going to be removing the child from Mando's care. So Ahsoka can bring where it wherever it needs to go. Yeah. And if that happens, obviously, if, if this little bundle of joy is no longer in the show, is the show still going to succeed? I think so. But... At the end of the day, a lot of people are attached for one reason, and that's sure. that child. I'm kind of nervous if she shows up in episode two. The only thing that's going to be on my mind is, well, what's going to happen to the child by the end of the season? And they, they set up a couple of different things because obviously, like you said, people are in it to follow the, uh, the course of, of where the child is heading. But you bring in, um, you bring in Ma- uh, Boba Fett, you bring in Ahsoka, You've got uh, the guy with the dark saber. You've got Dave Filoni, who is the master of, you know, this this story that we've been following through the Clone Wars and Rebels now. It's in live action. You know, I, I see your point as far as, as uh, removing the child 
and trying to figure out, well, what is the Mandalorian going to do now? But I think there's a lot there, especially since we know that Dave Filoni is behind the storytelling here, um, that I think, uh, I think we'll be okay. You know, obviously Disney, I think is developing. I heard something like they're developing like 10 projects, 10 Star Wars projects now for streaming. So you never know where this is going to end up, uh, straight from, from Mando. So it's going to be interesting. Again, we talked about this on our show as well, uh, between, you know, the Cassian show and the Obi-Wan series. Now that, um, I think they're starting. Uh, they're starting to shoot this month, so I'm I'm really excited. I'm more excited about Star Wars streaming on the small stream than than I am for for the films. Sorry, I got distracted because I got a message on on the uh, screen here. I did too. I've never seen that before. Well, thank thank you for upgrading our service or whatever it said. <laughs> yeah. You know- I, I think though Disney still has to walk a fine line because uh, what Mandalorian's five years after Return of the Jedi, I think, yeah. and the sequel trilogy is thirty years after. Um, so you still have these badass characters out there uh, like Ahsoka and the Child, and you still have to sort of explain what happened to them, uh, why they seem to have no impact whatsoever on the sequel trilogy. So something has that there has to be some kind of re, you know this can't be ongoing forever. There has to be some sort of resolution. Uh, I think Luke's what was that about fifteen years after you know I think they kind of like split the difference on that his little academy that he had going. So you know they they got to explain it somehow. Something has to happen to the child and something has to happen to Ahsoka. Ezra is still out there doing his thing with with Thrawn out there wherever in and the sp- unknown and, regions and space whales and space whales. Per- purgles, purgles, purgles. Uh, yeah, and they're uh, hypersonic or whatever, space whales. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of explaining to do, but I don't think they're going to do it, though. There should be a lot of explaining. I don't think they're going to do a lot of explaining, though. Yeah. Are you I, saying I that are, are you saying they're not going to do it in, in a streaming service or they're not just they're not going to do it at all? I, I think they're not going to do it. I think there's still going to be so much open ended. Like They have 30 years to work with, but I think it I don't think they're going to touch on that period that much. I think they've seen that most of the period that they're going to touch on is between prequels and uh, the original trilogy or shortly thereafter the original trilogy. I don't think they're going to touch uh, that much between original and sequel. I, I actually think that they will. Here's, this is kind of a theory, but we, as you said, there's like nine or 10 projects that they're working on now. And there was also a rumored Rebel successor show but there's also a rumored live-action Ahsoka show. I think that the live-action Ahsoka show and The Mandalorian could go hand-in-hand. Let's say Ahsoka does take the child away now. The Mandalorian now has progressed to whatever it's going to be. Now let's say the big bad of The Mandalorian is going to be Boba Fett. You remove the child from the situation, Boba Fett is still there to keep those fans in because everyone loves Boba Fett. But now you have the child and Ahsoka in their own show. The child has went from one show to another. Keeps people on a string. That's a theory. I don't know I don't know if that'll come to fruition or not, but in my head, I hope so. What if Boba Fett and the Mandalorian team up to uh, fight uh, Gideon? Well, personally, I don't think you can have the Darksaber without Sabine. I mean, we talk about Ahsoka, but I don't sure. see how you can have a a dark saber conversation without Sabine since that was a pretty major storyline in, in rebels in the sure. later seasons. 
I am curious too, because again, another rumor, Katie Sackoff as Bo-Katan again. Yeah. And she's the last one that we know had the Darksaber. Yep. And now you have Gideon that has it. What, what happened there? Sure. I don't know if we'll get answers to that, but I sure as hell hope so. Yeah, again, it's just it's fascinating stuff what uh, Dave Filoni has uh, set the stage for. Um, you know, it, it keeps us guessing, it keeps us talking, and uh, frankly, it, it's great that it gives us content to to you know to kind of dive into with our shows. So it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I, I do think I don't think that they'll explore that entire like you said, like fifteen or twenty years before you know the, the difference is split between. Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. But I think from The Mandalorian, maybe they'll go like five to eight years in advance. I don't think we'll go all the way through. And you brought up another good point with Ezra and Thrawn and the space whales. I've been dying to know since the show ended what's going to be happening with that. I wonder if that will be another live action project or if that's an animation project. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you remember the episode with, um, with the Bendu, you know, he had that very cryptic uh, sort of prophecy for Thrawn about how he ends, you know, with, uh, with like dark tentacles or something around him. That may have been explaining the Purgles and him going into hyperspace, but I I think it deserves something better than what we got at the end of Rebels. That, that, that was about the only thing that pissed me off about that was them jumping into hyperspace like that. Yeah, and and I don't think that, right, I don't think that met that prophecy that, that Bendu put out there for him personally. It's like you read my mind, Brad. I was going to mention that exact thing uh, with the Bendu. He, he's uh, another uh, fascinating character. And uh, Brad, since I got you on here, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those characters that we would, uh, I, I think I'd love to do a deep dive on, on, on the Bendu. Yeah, I was actually expecting the, the Rebels uh, sequel to be announced. Uh, instead, we got the Bad Batch, which uh, some people are kind of... Uh, you know, on the fence uh, on, um, I was expecting something a little more, uh, you know, closer to what people were, you know, expecting as far as uh, a rebel sequel. Um, but we'll yeah. see. I, I don't think, I think that the rebel sequel still will happen, but yeah, I think that they wanted to announce the bad batch first and kind of get that ball rolling because it's fresh in everybody's minds. It's something that just happened. And you guys know the genius of Filoni. He's not going to introduce new characters for them to just disappear. So I think the introduction of the Bad Batch was, okay, let's see how the audience takes this. And that first arc for season seven, everybody loved. Uh, You know, initially, I know now people are kind of going back on that a little bit. They're like, ah, it was okay. And that's all right. But I think that the Bad Batch as a show will be an interesting dynamic now that you have Echo. He's not dead. He's one of them. Order 66 has been triggered. Do they have chips? Do half of them have chips, half of them not? Um, there's, there's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of things that need to be resolved in that series. And one of the things I would love to see, which I've seen on Twitter a lot, and I don't know who I saw it from first. We, got, we have now the mold of the Darth Vader Clone Wars animation. In Season 7 of the Clone Wars, Anakin is the one that saves Echo. What if later down the line, Echo doesn't have his chip? Vader now has to kill Echo, whom he just saved not long ago. Then you have the dynamic with Cody and Rex. Because you know Cody turns, and you know Rex doesn't. I need to see that altercation. 
there was definitely some clones I was pretty pissed off about uh, in that last season. I don't, I just do we know how many episodes that's going to be, or have they put that out yet? I I can't see that not. I mean, I I like the I did not like the mid season. I didn't or the the Martell sisters. I think was their name. Uh, I didn't care for those. Um, I'm I'm going to get screamed at. I thought those were kind of filler episodes. I mean, you could call the Bad Batch filler. I mean, really everything except for the last part were were filler episodes. Uh, but I really enjoyed the Bad Batch. I don't see how you can make that interesting long term. But I think they have to start it during Order 66 because uh, these guys are really running independent ops on their own. They don't have uh, a Jedi general uh, running their operation, as far as I remember. So they're going to be on their own. So they'll be able to make those decisions and stuff like that. Uh, I think if they start there, I think they could make it intriguing. But I, I don't know how, how long you can make that series interesting for. Yeah, I understand that. And I, I would like to see the beginning of it be Order 66, kind of have it overlap what we've seen in Season 7 and in Revenge of the Sith. See how it all ties together. And I think from there, I think they'll do all right with it. I do remember reading the little excerpt that they gave us. And it said something about like mercenary missions on how to survive, how they're surviving in a new galaxy. And to me, mercenary mission sounds just like a fun gunslinging kind of time. It almost, it, the first thing that popped into my head actually was Solo, a Star Wars story. Because I see it as just a really fun, you know, quick moving, gunslinging kind of fun movie. And I think this will be something similar to it. And I think them adding back all those older characters that we know from the Clone Wars and later, you know, other projects. I think that will help carry the series. I think they'll do maybe three to four episode arcs. I, I'm i assuming it's going to be modeled like the Clone Wars, 20 to 24 minute episodes, three to four episode arcs. Let it kind of carry itself out and see where it goes. Yeah, now if they immediately see the Empire as something uh, evil or something very not, you know, what they stood for uh, with the Republic and they started... Uh, you know, talk about mercenary miss- missions, uh, smuggling guys out like Bail Organa uh, or Mon Mothma, and they started doing that sort of thing, and you have those very early Seeds of Rebellion type stories. I think that would be pretty entertaining. You know, you bring up a good point. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, because they're, they're going to be – I mean, you saw what happened to Bail there at the end of Revenge of the Sith. You know, he's kind of already a marked man from the beginning because Palpatine knew how he felt uh, since Episode 2. He knew how Bail felt about the, the Military Creation Act and all that. So he was already a marked man by that time. So if they're involved in that sort of thing, I think that could up the you know, intrigue level of it. And leave it to, you know, a master storyteller like Filoni to kind of inject those very uh, adult themes and seriousness into uh, into a show like uh, The Bad Batch. Disney should hire you, Brad. I've been here. I, <laughs> if I just keep my mouth shut, they'll hire me. <laughs> I thought they already did. I thought you were going to be the alien in the back. Oh, besides that, besides that. Besides <laughs> that. A speaking role. Well, after talking about all these projects, here's time for the question that I told you about earlier. And I know y'all don't, you might not have answers yet, but let's wing it. Let's see how it goes. What is your dream project? If they could make one thing, what would it be? If they could make one thing, what would it be? One thing that your heart just desires that you need. It could be any medium too. It doesn't have to be a film or TV show. It could be a comic or book or whatever you want. Using, using the animation that's in the, the animation that's in Star Wars, The Old Republic, those trailers make a, a series for The Old Republic 
they have whatever uh, period during that time they want to use, whether it's the KOTOR time period with Revan. Uh, I, would, I would really like that time period myself. Uh, those events leading up to KOTOR, uh, I think that would be amazing all the way up to where, you know, his mind gets wiped and all that kind of stuff. Using that animation, because you will not find more beautiful animation uh, than that, that the SWOTOR, uh, those trailers. So I don't know, I, I don't know who exactly worked on those trailers, but those are just freaking amazing. So use that and tell some old Republic stories. I, I would watch that for as long as they made it. How about you, Ro? What you got? My favorite character in all of Star Wars and probably all of fiction has to be Darth Vader. Uh, I think for me, if they, if they can create uh, a story where Darth Vader um, is featured hunting down Jedi. And I know they did it in the comic books with the Inquisitors, but I wanted to see a little more hands-on with Darth Vader really demonstrating the fact that he's the boss, man. He, he, is, he is the man. Um, you know, nothing gets past him. I really want to see Vader do his thing. Again, just something about Vader, something about his, his, the, the power um, that he wields, the, um, the conviction in, in his decision-making and stuff like that. Uh, so hunting down the Jedi is, uh, is something that I would really love to see. And, you know, a series that doesn't hold back. I mean, Vader was brutal. Vader and his inquisitor, Inquisitors, and I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, how, his, how he uh, works with the Inquisitors uh, and again, you know, the comics were, were one thing, but if we can see something and maybe in the, the animation style of the last scene of the uh, last episode of the Clone Wars, uh, um, I, I would be okay with that. Uh, something like that would just, I would, I would be in heaven. I would be in heaven for real. What about, what about live action for that? I think. Yeah, obviously that- live action would be preferred. I think there are certain things that, um, I, I was going to say, but I just kind of thought of, you know, obviously everybody loves the ending scene of Rogue One and Vader, you know, cutting those rebels to pieces. They really demonstrated that, you know, that Vader, they, they had respect, the creators had respect for that character. And if, if I saw more of that, I'd be okay with that. I, I want to touch on both of your points because I was just going to bring up the ending of Rogue One. After seeing that, it is... I don't know anybody that would not want more of that in a Jedi hunting styled show or, you know, animation, however they want to do it. I think it would be, I think it would be badass. Frankly. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what to say because it's really exciting if they were to ever do something like that. My only fear is, and Brad, we talked about this in a really early show. Um, when we did, we, uh, we talked about the comic book, uh, Darth Vader visions and yeah. how, you know, my, my only fear is the fact that, you know, Disney might ruin some things, some aspect of Vader um, in some way. Uh, if we can just keep Vader to, to what his core character is at the height of Vader, um, just again, just hunting down Jedi and being the ruthless, you know, right-hand man of the Emperor, um, I, I think that would be awesome. Well, you, you know, Hayden Christensen would do it. I mean, he, he's desperately wanting to do it again. And I, I'm, I, I would dare say Ian McDermott probably has 10 to 15 more years left in him of, of acting. Cause I think he's what, he's actually just like late sixties now. I thought it was 73. 
Is he? Okay. So, I mean, I, I think he would, he would still – and Palpatine doesn't need to be in there too much, but just enough to screw with Vader, which he does uh, quite well, um, and keep tormenting him as far as Padme goes and that sort of thing, enough to keep his rage going. Um, but don't forget, we talked about the 501st earlier, and if you can see the 501st in their you know, full glory, that would be amazing as well. Vader's Fist, a Star yes. Wars story. Yes. I would be all about that. Um, and I did just check. Ian is 75. Okay. So I, we were all wrong because I was, I was not going to get 75 either. He'd but still do it, I, I think. I think so too. I think, I think he would be down for it. He loves Palpatine. And I think seeing, seeing a dynamic of Vader and the 501st doing their thing, Palpatine having – I don't even care what Palpatine's role would be. If Ian is playing Palpatine, I want him in the show. He's that magical. He absorbs all of your attention when he's on screen, right? Oh, definitely. Um, and to the KOTOR story, I, I actually would like it in that animation as well over live action because if they were to do it in live action, this is what I'm most afraid of when it comes to KOTOR being made into canon. If they change anything that people really love, and even if it's something that's still cool, but it's different, people are going to riot. And I don't know if we need more discourse in the fandom like that at the moment. Or more riots. Or more riots. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why time period is, is crucial on that one, because that's why I would set it pre-KOTOR, because even uh, Star Wars The Old Republic kind of screwed with some of the characters. It definitely did with Revan's character. It made Revan's character a lot less cool. Uh, so, you know, all you have mainly is flashbacks and stories of these characters, uh, starting with the KOTOR uh, video game. So I think, uh, you know, it's a blank page as far as the stories that you can tell. Um, but it's both the Jedi, Sith, and Mandalorians, whatever sect you like the most. It's, it's everybody at their, at their height. Uh, so, yeah, I think you can write whatever stories you want for that. And, but also include characters like Revan uh, and Malak before uh, their turn and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that would be great. I, I've seen so many, like, let's go bring KOTOR to reality. And you know, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of really cool imited, uh, imited, <laughs> edited images of um, Keanu Reeves playing oh, Revan. Yeah. 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 Those, those look great and all. And I think if you use Keanu Reeves as the model in the animation, that would be great. There's just something about that animation that you're talking about in particular. It is visually stunning. Yeah, that, that 30 seconds of Satil Sean running through the forest, uh, I, I could just watch that on, on a loop, I think. Uh, they, there is 0% wrong with any of those trailers that they made. I agree. They are perfect. I'm trying to look for who uh, created those cinematics. Uh, I know BioWare was the company, but they're the software developer. Who did this, the animation? Whoever did it needs a raise. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they've compiled them on YouTube. You know, I think it's in like around an hour or so to watch them all. I know. I love it's that. Amazing. They are fantastic. One, I'll tell you one project I would really like to see, and it's something we've gotten little teases about. And as much as I would like this in live action or in animation, I think I would prefer it in a novel or a comic. But one of my favorite books to read is From a Certain Point of View. It's probably my favorite canon Star Wars book at the moment. 
And in my top five, you have Master and Apprentice. I would love to see Qui-Gon, you know, in the Force or whatever, as one with the Force. I don't want to ruin the mystery, but at the same time, that mystery makes me need to know. I, I need to know more about how Force ghosts work. I want to know more about what what they once they're there we know now from master and apprentice and from a certain point of view we know what they go through as they go there you know they're kind of flashing through their entire yeah, life that's that pretty trippy that that one story i think it's a obi-wan story mm-hmm. when, when he died he was going through all the different time periods yeah and qui-gon talks about how time doesn't really exist but then he mentions time so it kind of contradicts itself i don't know but i would love more of qui-gon while he's one with the force kind of just experiencing what he experiences and i would love for claudia gray to pick that up and write it again it's got it's got to be claudia because uh no one loves or understands that character more than she does and uh, she would be willing to do a, a deeper dive like you know using her own introspection to try to understand more on how that would work and then be able to uh, translate that down to to a, a level that we could all understand it and digest it we talked to her uh on uh, may 25th uh, specifically about that and uh she would be definitely would be gung-ho to to go back at it again yeah, I listened to that episode. That was a great one too. I I love like just listening to her talk about all of these different things. They are she she has such a brilliant mind. I actually mentioned her on my last episode as well. I, I can't help it. She is she's my favorite Star Wars author. I hate to, you know, pick and choose one because I do love them all. I read them all, but there's just something about her writing that clicks with me so well and her being so passionate about characters like Qui-Gon who I am also passionate about really stands out for me. And it makes me always wanting more of her work. Yeah. She understands the character and it makes it, uh, you know, you absorb it more because just, you know, because of her understanding of, of uh, star Wars and that world and that character. So yeah, it totally makes sense. And lastly, my last question for you guys what is something that you want the lovely people listening to this podcast? What would you love for them to know about you? Mm. It's tough. I know. It's, it's a couple of things. Cause you know, I mean, Brad and I, we started this podcast last year, uh, tail end of star Wars celebration, in Chicago. Um, you know, we met online, uh, with other stuff. We're both kind of, uh, JFK nuts. And we started talking about that stuff like that. And we realized that we we also loved Star Wars, um, and not only that, uh, you know, our birthdays are a day apart, so uh, there was definitely you know a connection there. But you know, the fact that at the time and not a lot has changed, there was a lot of fandom infighting, and obviously, like I said, there is still a lot of fandom infighting, and we really started the podcast to kind of try to change that aspect of fans i mean you know we uh one of our followers called us the switzerland of star wars fandom because you know we we understand that people have different opinions we understand that we are each passionate about those opinions and the movies that we love and the movies that we don't love the the star wars aspects that that are true to our our hearts and the ones that we you know really don't care for but we don't want people to stab each other in the eye for it. And the fact that people still do, 
is 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 troublesome and you know i mean brad and i we 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 talk crap too about some stuff but at the end of the day we 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 have to tell people that you know we we have our opinions you have opinions but we're not gonna we're not gonna like hate you over it i mean we we hardly block people the only people that we block are people that are insulting other followers for their opinions we just we just you know we don't care for that so yeah, you know, we have strong opinions, but so does everybody else. But we, we try to kind of, you know, keep it civil, keep the discussion civil. And that's one of the things that brings me joy is to, to, to have discussions with different people that have different points of view. Simple as that, Brad. <laughs> I can't top that. No, I mean, I hate to say he nailed it, but no, he, he definitely nailed it on that. I mean, uh, above all else, we're, we're just geeks. You know, the, we had a very simple premise when we started that show, you know, the, the, the mindset that we had was going back to elementary school, sitting at the lunch table, uh, maybe with your, your figures in your pocket, uh, pulling out your ham and cheese sandwich and just start discussing star Wars. Um, uh, you know, your, you know, the, the movies that came out a couple years ago, you know, at that time and, you know, what your theories were because the, the skies were the limit at that time and everybody exchanged opinions and, you know, you finished your ham and cheese sandwich and everybody was happy. And, and you know, like, like you said, no one stabbed each other in the eye for it, no matter what your opinion was, whether you liked Boba Fett or you thought he was overrated because he's only been on the screen for 10 seconds. You know, that's, that's what we wanted to go for and all this. And yeah, sometimes we stayed you know, whether it be our own personal accounts or whether it's the Scarif account, you know, we, we will state our opinions, but that's all they are. They are nothing but opinions. You know, people share opinions as facts online now, and, and that's the problem. Uh, they're just opinions. So just, you know, read it, uh, take it or leave it, you know, or respond to it. You know, we'd, we'd, we'd rather have people respond to our opinions than, than, than block us or, or, you know, try to interpret what we meant by it. Um, we'd rather have frank dialogue. We have the candid dialogue on the show. We'd rather have the same thing, uh, you know, on social media. But, you know, we're, we're geeks before anything else. And that's what we are at the end of the day. And I 100% agree with you. I, I feel like people nowadays do take their opinions as facts. And it's either you accept my opinion as a fact or you're wrong. You know, go go die. It's take it back. It, it, it's, we all love the same thing. Okay. We all love star Wars for what it is. And you know what you could, you could hate something that I love that doesn't make you or I any less of a fan. It doesn't make you or I right or wrong. It's that you might like something that I don't like, and that is okay. I do love a good friendly debate. I think that's great. So I will be listening when you guys do your return of the Jedi versus empire, because I, I love that kind of stuff. And I think as long as things stay civil and you both kind of just share your own opinions, you know, Brad, you're a Return of the Jedi guy. Bro, you're Empire. You're going to take each other's opinions. You're going to see them from their perspective. You're going to understand more why they feel the way they feel instead of completely shutting them out and telling them to, you know, go screw themselves because their opinion's different. Sure. That's an issue a lot in today's Star Wars, especially on like the Twitterverse, you know? Oh, it's, yeah. I think you guys do a really great job with talking to the community and not talking down to the community. You know, you guys are very inclusive and inviting and that interaction, I do, you know, whenever I comment on your guys' stuff, I, I always scroll down. I love to see what other people say. 
because anytime that you start talking and it just leads to this chain reaction of people talking about star Wars. And at the end of the day, we all love it. Right. And we are all nerds, you know, back in your day, um, I say that respectively, by the way, because I am a child. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm, Rose Day. Back in Rose Day. <laughs> I'm I'm only 26, so I'm I'm pretty young. My my first ever Star Wars experience was with the Phantom Menace. So I was sitting at the lunch table with my ham and cheese sandwich, talking about Obi Wan and Darth Maul, where you guys were probably talking about Vader and Luke Skywalker. You know, so either way, we might have had different experiences there, but it's all the same thing. Sure. You know, I, I think if people start to look at things from other people's perspectives, they'll learn a lot. And I think people will calm down a little bit. Definitely. And there, and there seems to be a lost art of empathy. Like you're not allowed to empathize with anybody. Like they say, you know, uh, we need to have dialogue. Well, when people say, hey, it's time to have a dialogue about this, they don't really mean that. They mean they want to state their opinion. And then put a period and hit send tweet and and that's the dialogue that they want with it. And then you know, block them. And then, and then block you. But you know, coincidentally, uh, Ro and I were both told to go die uh, a couple months ago. So that was a pretty enjoyable experience. Remember that, Ro? That was, oh, that was yeah. Really, yeah. yeah. We're both going to die virgins, even though we both have kids. And that was <laughs> that was fun. But that's what it's come to. You know, the the dis the discourse there is, I, I think it's always going to be present. But over the last few weeks except for last night with this whole Ray Park incident, which I'm not going to really get into that much. But up until then, the last, the last like month or so, it's been a little bit more peaceful, at least on my timeline. It's been a lot more peaceful, not, not as much as, you know, hey, go die, you stupid, silly virgin, you 80-year-old person sitting in their yeah, mom. We weren't called silly, man. We weren't called silly. All right, we were just virgins. We weren't... <laughs> you didn't have the added bonus of being silly. You were just no, a virgin. No, just straight-up virgins, that's all. Yeah, I, I felt like it was getting a lot better, and who knows, it still might be. But, wow, I want to thank you guys both it for actually, coming it, on. It, it, oh, oh, yeah, no problem. It's, let's it's, keep it it's, going. Uh, it's uh, w- wisdom that uh, can fit in this holocron here. but uh, <laughs> You had to get the holocron in there. <laughs> I had to get it in there. But... Um, you know, it's, uh, sometimes I do notice it, it, it depends on, I think it depends on like what your timeline is like, who you follow, who retweets what. Um, for a while there, all I saw, was, it, it was like constant bombarding negativity, constant bombarding and negativity. And that, you know, that kind of cycles out, uh, again, just depending on who you follow. And obviously, having started uh, the Red Five Network and the Red Five family of podcasts that that we have under that uh, that name and under that website. You know, it's a group of individual podcasts with individual voices, and everybody's got a different take on on everything. But you know, they're podcasts and people that share our view of fandom, and that's one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons that we started that is to be able to kind of support each other and nurture each other's creativity and listen to each other's shows, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Because, you know, we want to be able to grow. We want to be able to kind of drown out that, uh, that negativity and not, you know, we're not saying that we're just blind and love everything Star Wars just because it's got the logo on it. We're very critical about some of the things that we, that kind of, you know, don't fly our way. But again, just, you know, accepting everybody else's opinion is, is, uh, is first and, and foremost, especially with that group. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what too. The Red Five Network. I haven't yet. I have yet to be like annoyed from anything I've seen from anyone from Red Five. I've started following everyone because everyone is just so nice. You guys have put together a really great group of content creators to be in this group, and from what I've seen in the past those networks could go one of two ways and you guys are doing it the right way, you know? And it, it's something that aside from being like a, a content person of my own, you put all that to the side, just me being a fan that consumes other content and consumes Star Wars media, seeing that really tight knit type of family feel for a group of people that are individuals but can still come together as a family is a beautiful thing that I think a lot of people can take a good lesson from. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. We, uh, we love the group. We definitely love the group. There's a lot of versatility in, in voice and content there. Um, so, you know, we, again, we just try to kind of help each other out, uh, you know, whatever they need, um, boost each other. Uh, so we're just having fun. You know, we started this podcast to talk about star Wars because it's something that we love and it has, you know, it has grown for me, it has grown beyond my wildest dreams uh, because of the acceptance and because of the feedback and the support that we get from people that find our podcast. It's, it's really amazing. We've, you know, we've got patrons now, um, which when we started, it's like, what? Who's going to pay us money to do what we love, but people are, and that's, you know, that's a big help, especially when we do these events. Um, so we appreciate every ear that, that finds us. Uh, we appreciate every eye that looks for us on Twitter and, and wherever else that we're located. Um, and we're just having fun and we love it. You know, I, I hate the I hate the phrase "silent majority," but you, you mentioned Return of the Jedi, and someone speaking on behalf of Return of the Jedi. And we we've had the theory, and it's been proven, I think, right so far that ninety eight percent of this fandom, ninety eight percent plus of this fandom, is cool as hell and friendly as hell, and simply loves the movies and the comic books and the books and the video games and the toys. Uh, but it's the it's the two percent or less on either end of the spectrum that have huge you know microphones uh that you know ruin it for the rest of us uh and and our goal was to speak you know not not on, we don't want to speak on behalf of anybody but you know to let them know that it's okay that we can go back to to, to the way it was and that's that feedback that rose talking about and that, that you mentioned earlier you know we we thought it we thought that was true and then we see these uh, replies to, you know, our, our random tweets or polls or whatever, or the conversation that we have on the show. And yeah, it, it's, it's there. So, you know, don't, uh, don't put too much uh, attention on, on the 2% or less on, you know, either end of the spectrum. You know, there's 98% of us that are just here for, you know, for the fun of it and for the love of the, the movies, the saga. Yeah, a lot of people I see on especially Twitter will say, man, the, the Star Wars fandom sucks. They're so rude. They're vile. They're disgusting people. And it's like, no, us as a whole are not. It's like you said, it's that 2% that are just louder than the rest of us because we're not trying to be loud. We're just trying to talk about something we love. Yep. Go, go to ScarifCon or go, go to Celebration. And that's what fandom really looks like. Exactly. 
that I'd say that's the biggest thing I've been missing out of my my entire Star Wars experience. I I've never been able to make it to like any sort of Star Wars centric con. We have little events here. I live in the Carolinas, and we have like little events here that will be at like a college or something, and you're able to go. and I, I met Billy D there, so I'm grateful for that. But he is the only Star Wars guest I've been able to meet. Normally, I'm a big horror movie guy too, so I'll meet horror movie guests and sci-fi and things like that. Um, that's the closest I've gotten to it. I've never been able to kind of just fly where I want to fly. And now with COVID, it makes it even harder. Sure. Um, I wanted, me and my wife were planning on Galaxy's Edge and Celebration for this year. And, you know, COVID, so we can't. But I, I agree that that is what Star Wars fandom is about. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me. It has been an absolute honor to have you both here. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I love all of your content. I think you you guys have really started to stand out within the not only the fandom itself, but the podcast world. And it, it's honestly it's inspiring. You guys have inspired me to do a lot of different things and take things in a different perspective as well from what I have previously had so i want to thank you guys again for coming on and for doing what you do and being so passionate about it oh the honor is ours and it's so weird to hear uh the fact that uh what you just said i mean you know again we we just want to reach as many people as we could just to kind of you know showcase our our geekdom our our nerdiness uh and it's it's fascinating to me that people are listening to us um, you know, every so often when we release a, 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 an episode, I look at the numbers and I'm like, wow, people are, you know, people are listening to us or somebody will chime in and, and tag us and say this about a certain episode. I'm like, I've never heard of this person. He's a new follower. This, this is really cool. So thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening or thanks for watching. If you're watching this on YouTube. You can find the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast at Scarif Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find their podcast on all major podcast platforms by searching for the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. All of their links will be in the description below. Thank you again for the listen. I hope you enjoyed your stay on the Death Star, and may the Force be with you.